What's up, everybody? It's Andrea. Today, we'll never ask a friend if they need help. Alcar is the scariest TNG villain so far, and we asked the question, how grossed out are you by the word receptacle? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea Sharice. Today, we are talking Season 6, Episode 3, Man of the People, written by Frank Abeta Marco, if I hope I said that correctly, and directed by Weinrich Cole. Starfleet orders the Enterprise to transport Alcar the rest of the way to the Rikag Saroni system, where he is to mediate negotiations between the two planets. Alcar is accompanied by an old woman named Maylor, whom he identifies as his mother. Counselor Troy and Alcar quickly form a friendship, but this causes Maylor to become bitterly hostile towards Troy. Ruh-roh. You know, that doesn't even sound like the plot of this show. That just sounds like the intro scene. <laughs> but- it, it kind of is, yeah. But, like, I don't want to give away too, too much in case somebody's, like, a first-time watcher. But really, I mean, I feel like we should maybe do a demographic study to figure out how many people are first-time watchers. Because I feel like the show's been Probably out for 30 zero, years. Yeah, zero percent. Because <laughs> because our show is geared towards super fans. But in yeah. any case, that's enough for people to maybe remember this episode. Maybe it'll, like, spark what this, what this one yeah. is for you. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my initial thoughts is this episode, just going into the episode before I hit play was, oh my, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. Yes. One. Like this one is a really good one. It's, it's one of those ones that I think about often, you know, it just has yeah. this, it has this element to it that really makes you think. And I honestly think it's been a while since we had an episode like that. We've had a lot of really good episodes, a lot of really mm-hmm. entertaining episodes, but it's been mm-hmm. a while since we've had an episode that makes you think about who you are as a person and how you behave in the world. At least for me, I, I can't remember yeah. the last one we had. Um, so it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I was really looking forward to in this episode specifically was Picard's impassioned speech at the end, because one of my fave favorite speeches i love when he gets on these rants about right and wrong yeah. because they're so yes. well written and this he does he does a really good soapbox he really he does, does. A, he does a great soapbox and it's kind of right up there for me with his speech uh in measure of a man about data's rights and about what's yes. right and wrong there and it's right up there with his speech in devil's due at ardra's mm. arbitration where he was just like who do you think you are you flim flam artist you know mm-hmm. and he's just going through mm-hmm. like this is what's right and this is what's wrong i just i love his tears and so I was excited to get to that scene. Uh, what Me were your too. initial thoughts about this episode? Well, m- my initial thought was, yay, I love this episode. Um, this was when we did our season five little rap party. This mm-hmm. was one of the episodes that I said I was really, really looking forward to in season six. And I did not realize it was coming up so, so soon. soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and then I think next week's episode is one of the other ones that I said in our season five wrap that I was really looking forward to. It's the relics one with um, mm-hmm. with Scotty. Um, Scotty. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is really great. Like we're in for a really fun couple of weeks here. Um, you know, I don't remember. I did not remember Picard's impassioned speech. The thing that I was most looking forward to was seeing Deanna come into 10 Fort and that like really sparkly revealing like evening gown and mm-hmm. her hair was up with the gray streak. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, she looked so killer yeah. like absolute like very killer like mature woman sex pot kind of thing like it looked kind really, of, really great. yeah kind of like lawaxana but darker yes like lawaxana's outfits yeah. are always very like big and bold and like mm-hmm. bright and bubbly mm-hmm. um and lots and lots of fabric 
Um, but this was more like it was like the Lawaxana sexy older woman thing. Yes, but, but this like, was like a dark version dark. of like yeah. the, the, the villain version. Yeah, <laughs> it really, really was. You're right, because Waxana's always well-intentioned. She's just kind of like a big circus clown in a way, right? And like <laughs> this was like, yeah, this was a darker version. Also, major shout out to Marina Sirtis for transitioning from like a sweet, kind eager to help, loving, generous person to being this like darker, smoky, mm-hmm. sultry, it, like very negative kind of villain. Like, oh, I thought it was so, so great. Now, this episode is actually a take on a very, very famous Oscar Wilde story, The Picture of Dorian Gray, about a man who wishes mm, to live a life that of hedonistic makes sense. pleasure, right? So Dorian expresses the desire to sell his soul to ensure that his portrait rather than he will age and fade and the wish is granted. And Dorian pursues this like libertine life of varied, like amoral experiences, like very debauched life while staying young and beautiful forever. All the while, like his portrait ages and visually records like every one of his like sins to use like kind of an older term. And I was like, Oh, this is really, really cool. And if I recall correctly at the end of picture of Dorian Gray, which I really like that story a lot, but it is a hard read because it's very like old kind of language. Mm-hmm. Um, the As long as he doesn't look at the portrait, as long as it stays covered or out of his view, he stays young and handsome and beautiful forever. But at the end, the picture in some way is like revealed to him like by accident. And he sees it and he sees the like decrepit skeleton that is, cause he lives like hundreds of years this way. He sees the decrepit skeleton and then they trade places. So he mm. ages very rapidly, kind of like the end of this episode and dies and it just kind of falls to dust. And the, sh- you know, the like picture is revealed to be like as young and handsome and beautiful as he was mm. at the time of the painting. So I love that this is sort of a take on that where I can like remove all my negativity and give it to Troy and I won't age, but like she will very rapidly. I thought it was mm-hmm. really, really, really cool. Plus I love the picture of Dorian Gray. So I was like, wow, this is combining like two things I love. Like this is great. Yeah, I've never read that, but I knew of that character from like, you know, other stories that have mm-hmm. referenced it. Yeah, um, it sounds culture. like a really good story, but now that I know how it ends, I think I'm good. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to spoil. Well, no, no, it no, it's hard. fine. If it's if it's, it's old timey read, I might not be able to yeah, get into it as much a, as your yeah. summary right now. Yeah, the story is like a hundred years old, so it's a lot of like hundred years old kind of language that we don't speak as much anymore. And it's it's a short story, but it's very dense and kind of a tough. It's a short story in a sense of like it's a very small book, but it it's not just like three pages. It's mm-hmm. it's it's an investment in time. Anyway, all right. So let's jump into this. Um, the Enterprise comes to the aid of a transport ship cleverly called the Dorian. Get it? Oh, Get it? I see what they did there. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, making me feel smart for getting this like innuendo. Uh, <laughs> two passengers are on their way to the Raycog Seronia sector where trade negotiations threaten to erupt into a war. And this little transport ship is like unarmed and not very big. And like, there's been a great deal of hostilities toward it. And so they're, the, the, the Dorian is like, Hey, you need to take this ambassador and his, like his mother. Um, so, because we cannot like hold, you know, we can't hold we can't off transport these, them. like, yeah. we, we can't transport them any longer. It's not safe for them. Cause we're too small and we're being attacked and, and nobody's would- like, Blast it all to get out. So they have a lot of repairs to do. They can't make it to their destination yeah, like, in yeah. the time frame that's necessary. And we don't even know at this point who's beaming on exactly because yeah, their yeah. their communication systems go down in the middle of their yes. conversation. But they're basically yeah. like, we need to beam two people aboard. Can't be. Uh, 
And so Picard's just like, hello, yeah. hello, beam them aboard. And that's when we see, you know, who's coming on and why. But this mm-hmm. transport ship is just like, it's not doing well. And apparently- it's one, it's one, you know, fuse short of just blowing up. Mm-hmm. I actually thought, because I didn't remember this part. I actually thought that the ship was going to blow up and we were going to have the very tropey TNG. Mm. Like, did you get them? Transporter, did you get them? And they're like, yeah, I got them in the nick of time or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But like, it didn't. They just transported and then the Dorian like went on its way. Yeah, and the Enterprise went on its way. And apparently Starfleet Mm -hmm. told Picard, like, this is important. You need to transport him. So they didn't Mm -hmm. even, as far as we know, they didn't send a repair team or anything to the transport vessel. (laughs) They're like, good luck, Dorian. Right. But without the the, um, ambassador on board, in theory, we're assuming that this is why they were attacked. So without the ambassador on board, they're probably going to be just fine. Hanging yeah. out there in space doing repairs. Yeah, because some like Raycock battle cruisers, as soon as the Enterprise showed up, they like turned around and hightailed it back to their sector. So it's like, it, even Riker was like, they don't want to take on the Enterprise, which I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was you my better first run. Thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought, right? Or whatever. <laughs> so this ambassador Alcar beams aboard with his mother. And I don't know why, but Picard was like, Troy, will you go meet them? Normally you need like the first officer or yeah. whatever, but he sends, he sends Troy. It's fine. It's Usually fine. It's she like likes Riker. Maybe. Yeah, she likes poking around transporter rooms. So it's fine. He sure does. So, and he he beams aboard with his mother, Maylor, who's very old and very ill. And she takes one look at Deanna and she and he she tells Deanna, don't pursue him. You offer him nothing. I'll stop you. Like I I you think he's into you and he's not. And Deanna's like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Oh my gosh. But she does her duty and like, you know, we assume Al- because yeah. it cuts to credits. Like And Alcor is ass- like, don't worry, like, you know, my mom's just sick, whatever. And can she just go to quarters so she can rest? And so it seems very like Alzheimer's-y in a way. It does. It's like, it does. you know what? Okay, let's mother, let's just get you to like that. He never once says like don't talk to people like that. This nope. is inappropriate. It's nope. not. He's just like, mother, let's just get you to lie down. Let's just get you to lie down. Mm-hmm. So then Troy um, and- turns to some random lady behind her who's also a transporter chief. So that's yeah. cool. And it's yep. like, chief, can you? And so she goes and takes Melor somewhere to whatever mm-hmm. quarters were just assigned this second because they don't have quarters as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so, okay. They're like, let's figure out a room for you really yeah. quick because and Troy's planning on transporting you. Yeah, and Troy's just kind of like, what the heck just happened? And I thought she was reacting to being verbally assaulted out of the complete blue by a perfect stranger. Mm-hmm. But as we find out later in the episode, I forgot that in this scene, she's also an empath. So she's also reacting to these horrible emotions that she's Mm -hmm. sensing coming off of Maylor in waves. Yes. So it's like more than one thing that's disturbing her Yeah, it's not just Maylor being like an asshole. It's that if if she did that to anybody else, they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're being really weird and hostile. This is is weird. Like, I'm going to go. But yes, because Deanne is an empath, like, she's like, oh, my God. There's just nothing but, like, evil coming from this woman. I don't understand. Um, so we cut to credits because that's disturbing enough. And when we come back, I love seeing Worf teaching his Klingon Tai Chi classes again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yay, that's Same. back. Everybody's Same. doing Klingon yoga. Like, this is great, you know? And, and their and outfits. Oh, I love the fabric. They're, gi- they're wearing, like, the geese that are kind of mm-hmm. like that, that like, linen with some other material. I don't know what it is, but it looks very cool. It looks really cool. I've actually personally have been wanting to learn Tai Chi for years, and I've just never kind of was actively it was it Worf it? who inspired you to want no, to learn it? no 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 actually no um at the local botanical garden by where i live 
they, every Saturday, they have an outdoor yoga class. And I used to teach yoga for years and I've been practicing yoga most of my life. So it's like, oh, nice yoga in a botanical garden. Like this is like the perfect setting. And then the class right after that is Tai Chi. And I was like, well, this is kind of perfect. I'll already be there for yoga and mm-hmm. it's Tai Chi. But then the pandemic hit like a week later and it was like, Aww. okay, yeah. But now that that's kind of back, like, I think I might pursue it again. But um, yeah, I thought that that was really cool. Like their outfits look beautiful. It looks like a really nice way to center your body and your mind together. And clearly Alcar has made friends with Deanna because he accompanies her to this class and they're breaking a little bit of a sweat, which I was like, I don't quite see how but okay what you know listen we're at the I've, we're at the cool down of the workout that's we're why at the we cool don't down know apparently what was going on before this maybe i mean i tell you having been a, a yoga teacher for years a lot of people were like how hard can it be and it's like mm, try it yep. it's harder than you holding, think <laughs> yeah you're holding a fairly easy pose for five minutes at a time with your leg in the air or something and you're like oh, okay this is officially mm-hmm. difficult yeah now, after class, they're kind of telling off and they're getting to know each other. And they talk about the raycog Saronia negotiations and the rigor of the job. And as they're kind of walking to Alcar's quarters, Alcar's like, would you come to the surface with me? Like, when we get there, like, it might be nice. And Deanna's like, well, if the captain authorizes it, then, like, I- I'm I'm happy to go, like, and help. Because they talk about her empathic abilities. And as we because learn, we Because we learn Lemarians are empathic. Lumerians are empathic as well, but only with other Lumerians, like not with others. And so he's like, it might be really great to have somebody who's an empath who can sort of sense the feelings of others. Like this might be really great. But as they get to his quarters, Maylor bursts out and she's like, what are you doing here? Have you made it with him yet? That's what you want. And she was like, oh my God, no. Like that's what? And she's like, if you do, (laughs) you'll regret it the rest of your life. We're sweating for a totally different reason. Yeah. (laughs) That's just a little bit of sweat I have on my brow. That's like cute. Yeah. I'm glistening (laughs) is not from that. It's from, it's from Klingon Tetchy. You know what? You wouldn't understand. Never mind. Yeah. But she immediately jumps to like, have you had sex with him already? Which Mm -hmm. is very, very much what like a jealous angry fearful person like mm-hmm. would say you mm-hmm. know what i mean like it's to that's any what she would potential say. Like, rival yeah yeah it's like have you have you slept with him yeah and so i love that they say have you mated with him yet and deanna is like what the f like mm-hmm. this is so bizarre and alcar is like mother let's get you to sleep let's get you some tea you know he's very much trying to like d whatever but knowing as we know sharice that he's mm-hmm. responsible for this is like wow you are such a psychopath Oh yes. my God. Yes. Like if we didn't know, like I try to put myself in the shoes of a first time viewer whenever I watch these episodes, which is what why I love them so much. Yeah. And not knowing what's going on, you're just like, oh, this is sad. Like she's crazy. And like mm-hmm. maybe she needs to be medicated or something because mm-hmm. she seems like too stressed out to function. A hundred percent. Yeah. But absolutely. Also being someone who's watched it several times, you're just like this mofo, like this is all him. And we're thinking she's the bad guy, but he's the bad guy. But mm-hmm. he seems like so innocent, so harmless, even almost like a victim because he has to take care of this poor woman who's like, who like berates you know, him and others. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's yeah. a total, total freaking psychopath. So in the next total scene, side, this is like one of the scariest characters I've come across in TNG. Yeah. And I mean, the Borg is really terrifying for other yes. reasons, but this yes. man's like ability to just heartlessly subject people to what we're going to kind of reveal in a minute, like how people have to be sort of as like receptacles for negative emotions and feelings. It's like you did this to this woman and she is acting all of your fears out and you're just mm-hmm. like 
you know, bystanding her. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, oh my God, it's terrifying. So Deanna actually, Riker comes by to see Deanna and he's like, oh, it's that time of year again, crew evaluations. And she's like, dang it. You know, she kind of talks to Riker and she's like, do we have to do it today? Like I just had this really, really unpleasant run in with Alcar's mother. And I'm just sensing like all this like malevolence and evil energy coming from her. Like it's really disturbing. And Riker's like, okay, well, do you want to do this like another day? Or and he like, really is whatever? like, you know, she's old. She's probably senile. Like, who knows what you're sensing? We, we're probably going to get that way when we're old. And she's like, you're right. You yeah, know? she's like, I'm probably overreacting. It's probably just because she's old and a different alien species or whatever. Scary. Yeah, yeah. And they start to do these. <laughs> okay, you guys can't see this, but Sharice's face give the like, I don't think so face like <laughs> if only if yeah. only that were the case that would be a if much only. better scenario than what yeah the is yes now they start to do the crew evaluations but they get like exactly one person in when Worf calls them to Alcar's quarters there's been a medical emergency and they get there and Al- uh, Maylor is dead AF and she's got like her hands up like she was warding off this some sort scene? of like evil spirit yeah. oh, so this scary it's very creepy she basically died like a bug she's laying on her yes. back and she's got like, her hands clenched in the air yes and it just looks like she died in excruciating pain and like her body's yeah. rigid and frozen in that way and it is a horrible sight like we've seen dead people plenty of times on the show we've seen horrible deaths on the show but this one in particular was disturbing to me in a different way because there was no yes. blood or guts or gore or burns or bones or anything like that sticking out she was just but dead just, like a bug yeah yeah just the fact that she was dead like a bug when she's like a human being and the way that she was so miserable before she died yeah it it's just tragic it's tragic it's yeah. creepy and it's scary all yes. in one little well, package what what makes it really extra creepy to me is that alcar is sitting there completely unbothered and eerily calm about his mother's passing and he's like she was old and she suffered a lot this is probably better and i'm like Ew. First he of says all, something like he said she's lived a long life and and I have to be grateful for that. And he walked away. And you're like, what? That sounds a like the right thing psycho. to say. Yeah. Right? It yeah. sounds like, well, I'm just very grateful for the time we had together. It sounds like the right thing to say, but like there's no emotion here, which we know later why there's no emotion, but like yeah. no sadness, no nothing. Even like, if it just even it's even if there had been like sort of an iota of like resignation where it's like you or know, shock. Like, yeah, or something, yeah, yeah, some yeah, human emotion yeah, at the yeah. fact that your mother just died in this horrible way in front yes. of you. Five yes, minutes ago. I will tell you, my dad. My dad passed away when I was nineteen. He he got brain cancer and passed away very very quickly. From the time of diagnosis to his passing was like four weeks or something. It was incredibly oh fast, gosh. and it was yeah, it was really horrible. And the silver lining was it was relatively quickly. You know, consider like I had a, a school friend whose dad died of the same brain cancer and it took him like three years to die. It was oh really gosh. awful. But, you know, even when he was kind of close to the end, it was like, of course, I don't want my dad to die. I, I was always mm-hmm. a daddy's girl. Like I was very close with him. And even if I, you know, it's like he's a parent. Right. But when he did pass, it was like incredibly sad. And there was some relief to like, mm-hmm. okay, at least he's not suffering anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was that, like, if there had even been a little of that, mm-hmm. it would make more sense. But he was just like, well, it was nothing. It was nothing. Anybody up for some Tai Chi? It was like, what the fuck? This is so bizarre and creepy. And of course, Deanna being the counselor that she is, is like, is there anything I can do to help? 
And my first thought was, don't ever ask anybody that, okay? Because what could end up happening is what happened to her, which of course obviously can't happen in the <laughs> this real This is world. your take-home message, Andrea. Don't ever ask anybody. <laughs> Sorry for your loss. You help. All right, I'll see you Tuesday for Bridge Club or whatever. Yeah, like see you at work. That's no, not, no, no. I'm that's always not the, moral of the story. <laughs> My, <laughs> I love that TNG always gives us morals of the story, and you're like, well, that one's not it. Sharice is dying it. over here. So that's why you never offer to help when someone's yes, I'm actually walk away. Walk <laughs> away. You know what? Actually, if something like this happens, I'm always like, is there anything I can You're do? And my the most helpful person in the world, which is why that statement was so funny coming from you. <laughs> um, she's like, Well, I'm well, because I love to cook too. I'm like, can I bring you food? Because I do know grief makes you tired and hungry and and I will and say, also not ready to cook anything. No, 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 no. I will say I remember like when my dad died. I was 19, my brother was 13, and my mom and my dad had the happiest marriage, and so she was consumed with grief. And one of the most helpful things I'll remember is that we spent all day in the hospital with him and would come home at night, and there would be, like, a lasagna sitting on our front porch waiting for us, or, like, things for sandwiches or pasta or, like, soup. And it was just like, oh, thank God, like, I didn't even think of eating all day, Mm -hmm. and now that I'm home, I'm exhausted, and that hunger sets in, and you're like, "Uh, we have some old bread that's, like, moldy in the fridge now, like, there's nothing to eat. For like a 13 and a 19 year old. My sister was 23 or 24, but she was living in Hawaii at the time. So yeah. she was kind of, she was actually flying back and forth from Hawaii every weekend to like spend time, you know, and then go back to work for like oh five gosh. weeks. For, oh so, so that was a big commute. But anyway, the, the point is when somebody's going through grief, I remember like the lasagna and the soups and all that. So for me, my first thing is let me feed you because you're probably not feeding yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you are, it's like you're swinging by McDonald's to get some shit and like just go home and knock out. And then do this all over again tomorrow. Um, yeah, absolutely. My yeah. W- one of my one of my other best friends when her mom passed it was very sudden, and the funeral was like right away, and it was just Ugh. it was really crazy and chaotic and really long, and it was exactly that. At the end of the day, everybody was at her house. She's got a, a you know four siblings and their spouses mm-hmm. and kids and all this stuff. So they're all at the house, and everyone's starving, and the only thing we've had is like is like pan dulce all day. Mm-hmm. So we've all mm-hmm. eaten like one roll of super sweet bread, and yeah. that is it. That's so helpful. Yeah. So I swung by McDonald's on my way to the house super mm-hmm. late at night because it's the only thing open. And I was like, let me get like 25 cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before, Dude, right? That's what you need. So McDonald's like, is you like need something. They were like, I'm sorry, what? How many? I was like, 25. 25 is 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 good. So they were like, can you pull over to the side? We have to like, that's gonna take us a minute. Yeah. So they yeah. come out with like, you know, carts Bags. and carts of burgers. Yeah. And I bring it over and everybody was eating them like they were steaks. Like we were mm-hmm. so hungry and everybody yeah. said the same thing. I never eat this food, but right now in this moment, mm-hmm. this is so delicious. Like I can't stop eating because we were so, you know, in so much grief and tired yeah. and all these things that like, yeah, I totally hear you just having anything to eat yeah. and not having to yeah. make it is like beautiful. So yeah, Andrea, I'm like, can you know, I bring you a tray of sandwiches? Despite or Andrea sounding really heartless, she would be Troy in this situation. She'd be the one like, is there anything I can do to help Alcar? And I'd be the one like, sorry for your loss. <laughs> I'm making a McDonald's can, run if anybody needs. I can, but like, otherwise, like, I'm gonna head out. Cheeseburger, if that could make you feel better. Um, but I'm um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and let me know when the ceremony I'll text, is. I'll text you tomorrow and see how your feet. So you're doing. Well, so yeah. I guess Deanna was me. Yeah, I'm always yes, the first 100%. one to be like, do you need help? Um, I know, I and I always, yeah. I say this often, but I know because of the podcast, like it's a way for me to like <laughs> get to express like my sarcastic side, but I really am not the asshole that I like <laughs> seem like on the, on the podcast. I'm really not a dick. Um, 
I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I know. I, nah, I don't think I have. Anyway, she's like, is there anything I could do to help? <laughs> Sharice is over here dying. <laughs> well, no, no. No, no, no. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay. So she's like, is there anything I can do to help? And Alcar tells her that there is a Lumerian meditation for grief, like a little rite of passage kind of thing. Like and it's a funeral empath. ceremony. Yeah, funeral-like meditation. And as an empath, she's the only one who can help him. And of course she agrees. And he brings out some stones and he performs the ritual with her. And, she, you know, he has her repeat things, you know, law, you know, uh, d- death to pain, death to grief or all of this stuff. And as he touches his stone to her stone, his stone lights up and it lights up blue. And as he touches his stone to hers, her stone lights up blue and kind of all the blue energy goes from his stone to hers. So hers is all blue and his is now black. Mm-hmm. And she like, startles and looks mm-hmm. like strangely like wild mm-hmm. in this scene where like her eyes pop open it's as if like he just gave her an electric shock where she kind of like startles yeah. and then yeah it's like and then it's her like her hair looks scene. a little wild her eyes look like very yeah. disturbed and you're like oh fuck what just happened i i really yeah it's really hard to describe what she looks like in this scene i was trying to put a word to it and i was like i can't even think of the word to describe she how like, she, she looks. looks like a, she looks like a wild animal version of diana she looks yeah. like herself but not herself it's very eerie and you're marina like Sirtis uh, crushed it oh. she crushed it because you're she just like something just went down this. right now marina if you're listening we first of all we love you and second of all this was brilliant like i mean so well done and i know you have said before you really love watching these characters that are like so steady lose their minds you know and mm-hmm. we get to see sort of every main character kind of wharf has gone through it picard's gonna go through it Riker's gonna go through it diana's going through it now like it's really Data interesting to see it. like mm-hmm. yeah we get to see like crazy version of a character we love and in her quarters the next scene she's like feeling restless it's the next morning she's canceling all of her appointments she's trying to find something to wear she's just sort of like out of sorts mm-hmm. you know and you feel it too you feel the same you feel this anxiety when you're looking it at comes her. through yeah it comes through it feels like um I actually feel this way every year when we get like at the end of summer in Southern California, we get what's called the Indian summer, which is like the winds shift and just this hot, 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 humid air sort of blows over Los Angeles. And I mean, this year, because global warming is making things worse, like this year, it was 102 degrees at my house right by the beach. And it was so sticky as well. Like it was so humid Mm -hmm. that when I get really hot and really like sticky like that i just feel like out of sorts like i don't know if i want to eat i don't know if i want to sleep i don't know if i want to i just get really restless and actually statistically interestingly enough when those weather patterns come around crime goes through the roof there's like a statistical correlation between like weather and crime and when it gets really hot and sticky crime goes up because people Mm -hmm. are just generally sort of restless and feeling out of sorts yeah 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 it's really interesting i was like wow this is like a like a definable thing now, Beverly comes to talk to Picard and she's like, I'd like to do an autopsy on Maylor. Alcar said she was old and ill and she's obviously really old, but Beverly's like, but I see no evidence of illness. Like I still, and she's she still not there determine- like a bug. It's yeah, so creepy. It's awful. She cannot, Bev cannot determine the cause of death. And it's yeah. like, uh, this is like future time. So if she can't determine the cause of death. There's something really fishy going on. Yeah. Unfortunately, Alcar informs her that Lumerium custom forbids autopsies. So Beverly's like, mm, isn't it though? And we can't mm-hmm. verify that that's true, <laughs> but so it's very yeah. convenient. So Beverly turns to Picard and is like, can you speak with him? Can you please 
please, Jean-Luc, can you go and talk mm-hmm. to him and just kind of convince him to let me do an autopsy just to be, just to cross my T's and dot my I's and just know yeah. what she died of. And yeah. Picard's like, do you think it's contagious or whatever killed her might affect or put the crew at risk? And exactly. Beverly's like, well, it, no. <laughs> she was like trying to think of any way that that could be true. And it's just, I mean, she's like, be, no. Yeah. And to be fair to Beverly, since we don't know the cause of death, there could be something that could affect the crew. But I don't know because I can't do the autopsy. Yeah. But she yeah. she can't see any obvious reason why the crew yeah. would be in danger. So she's like, no. And he's like, I'm sorry, Beverly. We have to we have to respect his wishes. Yeah. Which again, Beverly yeah. Beverly is the first one to be like, f somebody's wishes or traditions. Yeah. Like we need. I don't answers. give a fig about the rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's very yeah, a hundred percent. But here no. she she obeys. So she's a little bit of a bind here because it's forbidden. So she's like, well, okay, I guess. Okay. Now, Deanna is restless and she goes to the Klingon Tai Chi room, the gym, I'm going to say maybe. And like, she's trying to do this Tai Chi, but she is getting really distracted. She's getting very kind of like hot and bothered Mm -hmm. and knowing, you know, we're sort of suspecting there was some kind of energy transfer with this Lumerian funeral meditation that went pla- that went took place. And like, we mm-hmm. don't totally know, but knowing that we're super fans, we know that Alcar has just transferred all of his negative emotions and feelings to her. And that's what he did to Maylor as well, because that way in his mind, he can keep a clear and level head to do these negotiations to prevent war from happening. So he is incredibly self-important and feels that he has like a moral high ground to do this to people so that he can like save millions from dying in a war but also like you're using people as a receptacle for all your negative emotions and not only do they have their own negative stuff Mm -hmm. going on like now all of your negative stuff is like being telepathically dumped on troy so she's getting all hot and bothered and i will say i don't like this little scene that she's getting kind of lusty mm-hmm. because I don't think that lust and sex are in air quotes, like negative emotions. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's not a very sex positive way of looking at it where it's like you transferred all your negative emotions to her. And now she's just lusting after everyone. It's like, why is sex mm-hmm. a negative thing? So that that's my only one quip about this episode that I don't love. I wish they would have sort of made that a little massage that a little bit. Cause I feel like, I feel like to me, it was like his um, extreme emotions were being poured into her. That's how Ah. I kind of saw it, but that's not what they said. They literally said negative emotions. So, but I saw it as like, Oh, all the extremes. So like, you know, sex is fine, but she's like uncontrollable lust. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think probably you're right. I think this is more of the Troy's sexy, so we need to make her sexy kind of a thing. Yeah, sexy or yeah. Sexy or yeah, she's sexy, so we need to have her in something low cut. We have to we need to do something like that. Because mm-hmm. if if she's really full of all his negative emotions, what probably would have made more sense is to see her enraged all yes. the time. And yes. she does get mad from time to time, but mostly she just turns into a yeah. really, really lustful person. But if we're gonna say she's full of negative emotions, we should see more. Just like rage, like uncontrollable. Or even like depression, anxiety. Yeah, depression. Like, yeah. Yeah, so we do see paranoia and we see just a ton of lust. And we just see her kind of being overall a jerk to people. But this scene is very weird. Um, I didn't, I put in my notes, I don't even know how to describe this scene. It's like Troy is in a music video where she's supposed to be getting turned on by the man the main singer who's like a man and just off camera. Like that's what the scene was. To yeah. Me. Like, yeah. You just she's see the like kind of running her fingers. Like, like, yeah, she's sort of running her fingers down like her face and across like her clavicle and her chest and then kind of back up to her hair. It's very what 1990s writers thought sexy looked like. Mm, it's weird. And I feel like, I feel like <laughs> they didn't, this scene could have not 
spin in there. We could have just not had this. We could have wanted to show some kind of transition. I feel like seeing her freaking out in her room and not being able to pick an outfit, that was a good start. Mm -hmm. And then one more scene of her being out of character would have been fine. Yeah. Not this. We didn't need this. We didn't need all this. But I guess they're trying to say she went to do Tai Chi to calm herself and couldn't calm herself. Yeah, she couldn't. I I don't know. I don't know. But whatever. She goes to find Elkar in his quarters and she absolutely wants to have sex with him. And he's very tempted. And he's like, you're so beautiful. But like, I can't. Like, I need to keep our relationship separate in that sense. So he turns her down and she is incredibly unhappy. And she like shoves him away. Yeah, Yeah, she shoves him away and storms off angrily. And he's like, that's unfortunate. Okay. And it's like unbothered as usual. <laughs> now at this point, she's got all this pent up sexual energy and she's in the turbo lift kind of steaming over here. And this 20 something ensign hops in the turbo lift and she zeroes in on him like a jaguar taking down an antelope on the Serengeti. I was like, damn, yeah, he's you very look like you're ready to like, you're, she's like, perfect. <laughs> he's very much. Yeah. He's very much like baby gazelle in this mm-hmm, uh, scene. Mm-hmm. She's staring at him in the turbo lift, like salivating. And you're like, run, she's going to hurt yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and she's just, yeah. So, so she hooks up with the first penis she finds and she finds a really very handsome one. one. So yep, well yep. done. Very, um, I guess. very strapping, uh, 20 something looking dude. I called him Ensign Peach Fuzz in my notes. Cause I'm like, he's pretty young. <laughs> he just got off the Academy yesterday. Yeah. It's- this he, is he he his very that... first pip. And he's like, damn, I already bagged Deanna Troy. Like, right? my career at Starfleet is done. I'm good. This is what he thinks it's going to be like every day. But it's not. It's not. You're right. It is a very sex. It's not a very sex positive way to look at sex to make that part of her negative emotions. And then. Yeah. It doesn't also. It also doesn't track with the kind of free love idea. Yes. that Gene Roddenberry has put into specifically the character of Troy mm-hmm, in Riker mm-hmm. and the Enterprise in general is like, it's free. It's open. It's not as taboo and weird. But um, I don't know. We still had the you know 1990s writers writing some yeah yeah a lot that of maybe a lot share. of 90s right yeah. Now Riker does come to find her the next morning to kind of continue those crew evaluations that were interrupted, and finds her in the most naked nightgown of ever. I you was can like, see girl, her nipples. Like, you can was... see her nipples right through it. And I was, as a woman, I was like, okay, I appreciate that you have a really gorgeous body and you can show it off in this thing, but also like. This is not appropriate to be opening the door, wearing this right into a corridor. That's your workplace. Like, I feel like an antechamber would be kind of good for things like this. You know what I mean? So you can answer Once the again, door we without need some kind of revealing porch. your boobs. Yeah, we need space porches or something. I mean, she but... looked amazing. My thought was more for Marina Sirtis, for the actress who plays Troy. I was like, yeah, um, if someone girl. approached me and were like, okay, so in this scene, we want you to wear this thin silk sheet. And just yeah. kind of loosely drape it it's over trans- your naked it's translucent. Boobs. Yeah. And um, you're like, what? On TV? That's going to go yeah. through the nation and then like stay forever? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to reserve good. my I'm going to reserve my nipples for the people I choose to show my nipples to. Not yeah. like the world. No thanks. Let's put some stickies on. We can put on a strapless hey. bra. There's a lot of options, but I am not showing my bare nipples on national television. Also, we, they could have given her that same loosely draped. Ne- now, I'm sure for the straight... M- like men or or gay women of the world they were like fuck yeah right because it's like it's a it's a sexy <laughs> shot however um yeah i feel like they could have made her really really sexy but even if she was wearing like the same nightgown but if it was made of like a holographic silver print or something because mm-hmm. her whole back was exposed which was beautiful mm-hmm. right yeah. and i was like that's really sexy but you're exposing your back which is just plain skin like there's no breasts or anything kind of having to like 
completely show through but Riker is like hello right, right? And he's, he's like oh that's how you wanted to meet me this morning okay okay, okay good morning I right? mean if you would have told me I would have brought some coffee too you want to do and a he's pretty... ceremony yeah <laughs> <laughs> get ready for the best 23 seconds of your life so he's <laughs> he's pretty tickled to see her like that but he walks in and finds that 20 something ensign on the bed putting his boots on and he snaps to attention and she, you know she tells Riker after the because he's like uh as you were and the ensign's like uh yes sir and he kind of very quickly he tries you know, to run away and as he tries to, leaving, he, he does to the his, walk of shame to his back Troy is like I know where to find you if I need you you're like oh okay girl like Thank I feel like you just you. raped this guy or something right? yeah, this is not this is not cute this, this feel, is not cute. yeah this feels less um fun when you say it yeah. that way like I it know doesn't to find feel you. super consensual like it feels <laughs> like again it feels like 90s writing what sexy is where like a woman you know a dream a man's dream is to have a woman who's just like gonna scratch his face off with sex and it's like "Mm, okay like again yet again movie and television steering us away from from reality Reality, anyway exactly so she tells Riker after ensign peach fuzz leaves are you bothered by his being here and it seems like and i feel like we've all known someone in this position or have been in this position ourselves she is itching for a fight she yes. has got some pent up aggression. She wants him and she to is... say something. She wants yeah. him to be like, she's like, I dare you say anything. Exactly. And he's just yeah. like, not I don't cute. really care. Not my business. Let's get to the crew evaluations. And she keeps harping on it, keeps harping on it. And then he says, you know what? Call me when you're ready to work. And he yeah. just And I was like, wow, that was extremely professional. Extremely I was extremely well done. Yeah. Cause she's like, are you bothered by his being here? And he says, not at all. Cause you know, they have this very free love sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. And she goes, Good, because it's really none of your business. And Riker goes, I know that. Um, can we do the evaluations? Like he is not, he is not, he is not one of those people who's like upset, but feels like he has no right to be upset. So he's covering up by acting he's fine, like acting like he's fine, but he's actually upset. Like he's really just not bothered. He's like, okay, cool. Like I'm glad you got your rocks off. Like, good job. The outfit looks fire. Can we do our evaluations? Right. And she and she does not want to let it drop. She really wants to have a fight to let the steam off. And Riker is like, listen, I'm sorry if I intruded. Why don't you call me when you're ready to work? And he leaves and she goes, I will. And sulks. Because later she didn't even get what she wanted. Mm-hmm. She wanted to have this blowout with Riker because she is overloaded with these negative emotions and needs something to vent. And he mm-hmm. is not having it. Now, the Enterprise arrives at Raycog Saronia. Things are very volatile. Alcar wants to roll up his sleeves and, and get in there to start working, right? And so he's like, okay, it's time. Like, put me in. Put me in, coach. I'm ready. And we yeah. have this, this Lumerian delegation who's now joined him because they were on the planet waiting for him to, to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem is they can't find a place to have these peace talks. So Picard comes up with a great solution of going to the city of Darthen, which is ne- neutral territory, both Good on Picard for doing his homework, too. Seriously, like, how the F did he know that? He just picked these people up, like, two days ago. Yeah. He was on hey, his way. <laughs> he's not the captain for nothing, babe. Like, yeah, he, he's like, I'm going to get on some on, on my laptop and on my data pad, and I'm going to drink my own brain, <laughs> and I'm going to learn the history of these people. That's what makes him the best. And that's what he did. So so they're like, okay, great. We'll do it in Darthen. Place, time, date is set. Awesome. All right. So... Next thing you know, we see Troy in her office doing her job. And again, similar to last week, we got to see Troy in her office working with Barclay. I absolutely love seeing Troy in her office 
doing her job because it mm-hmm. just re- again it reinforces to me that she's not always just hanging out on the bridge and in yeah she's a rooms. career she's a career woman as well she's really actually good. doing her th- it's just like similar to beverly right we see beverly in sickbay a lot and sometimes we see her hanging out on the bridge but if we always saw her on the bridge we'd be like um there's no medical emergency right mm-hmm. like similar to tr- so anyways i love seeing her in the office except for this time she is the worst therapist in the history of therapy. My God, she it just like traumatized insane. this woman for years to come. How is she even going to be able to apologize? I mean, I just, I hope that that's like, you know, if we got a where are they now, I hope that she went to this person later and was like, I am so sorry. I was like drugged. I like, was, that was taken over me. by an alien entity. I was wrong. Yeah. Well, Everything Deanna, I said, it delete it. Like, I'm so knowing sorry. Deanna, she absolutely would. That's the first thing she would do when she's back to herself. As soon as Beverly clears her, you know, to like yeah. leave sick bay, she'd be like, let me go find this poor ensign that I berated. So this, this ensign is in here. She looks like she works for stellar cartography. And she's like, you know, I feel like no matter what I do, I can never do anything well enough for my superior. Like he's constantly finding like all these little reasons to like attack me for my job. And like, I, I, I'm just, I'm so like anxious to to do a good job. But like, I feel like I just can't do anything right. Which is like, sure. Everybody's felt like that from time mm-hmm. to time. And Deanna says, well, maybe he's just tired of hearing you complain. I know I certainly am. This is the enterprise. Like, only the best come here. And if you're not fit for duty, then maybe you need to transfer to a smaller ship. Like, you either put up or you shut up. And I was like, what the fuck, Deanna? Like, this is so much. And she gaslights her. Well, Mm -hmm. the worst thing is, not only is she being cruel, she's fucking gaslighting her. Which I take extreme exception to. Um... (laughs) Because it does she hit a is button, doing yeah. it, she does, she is literally doing this under the auspices of like providing help and counseling. Yes, so she's yep. like, I'm doing this to help you. And so the woman is I'm like, I'm hurting you uh, to help you. False. Yeah, uh, she's okay. like, you need a transfer. And then the woman is like, but the enterprise, I love it here. I love working here. I love my job. I love, and she's like, well, but you just can't handle it. So it sounds like it's going to be a transfer unless you can get it together. And she's like, thank you. And has to yeah. like thank the her when she walks woman, out. The what? poor woman goes away with her lower lip quivering. She's one second away from bursting into tears, which she now knows she cannot do with Troy because Troy is not a safe space for her. And I was like, nope. Deanna, not only were you a fucking raging asshole to her, but then you gaslit her into mm-hmm. making her believe you were doing this for her betterment. Like that, mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with that. That was like, wow. Deanna, and that's the moment that we wish she would have canceled all her appointments, not just that's, her pre-lunch that's appointments. The one, that moment really, I love Deanna, but in that moment, she was a punchable face of Starfleet. Yes, I was 100%. like, you are such a jerk to this poor woman coming to you for help. And so, you know, the next thing we see, and I love this, Beverly has not let this whole Maylor thing go. Which I love. This is what makes her of so course she she's has like it. on the case. That's why she's the chief medical officer. <laughs> of the enter of the flagship. Of the, of the, the flagship, right? yep. So she goes to Jordy and he's helping her by looking for biofilter logs from previous transports for Maylor, which I was like, there's a good see, this is why technology is so good because it because it has backstory to it and it has history to it. Mm-hmm. So we know that every time somebody transports, there's a biofilter log because you have to make sure they're not bringing back any kind of like weird alien diseases or parasites or whatever that can affect the ship. So the biofilter patterns are logged with all of their like their vitals atomic makeup. Too. Yeah, all mm-hmm. their vitals, right? So you can compare Mailer's transport in just a couple of days ago biofilter log with one from like a transport she did like a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. or whatever right and you can compare and it with your tricorder readings at her death exactly and so it's like 
wow, okay, there is a ton of damage that happened to Mailer's body between like a few short weeks ago to now. And it seems unlikely that so much damage could have happened in, in such a short amount of time. And I was like, I, first of all, major snaps to Beverly for mm-hmm. doing forensics to do her job well while still kind of skirting this like no autopsy rule. Mm-hmm. I was like, doing good like a job, Beverly. Autopsy yeah. Like, and it's all public information. I mean, it's not public, like you can't Google it, but it's public for officers of the enterprise. Like you can yeah. look at those logs, records. Why not? I love it so much. I yeah. really, really love Super it. I was clever. like, mm-hmm. yeah. But no, she does was, point in great. like the best way to find out would be to do an autopsy. Duh. Like yeah. that would really be the best way, but she's not letting it go. You're right. And that's what makes her so good. So in the next scene, we're in Tin Ford, and this is the scene you were talking about. I love where, this so much. You know, Riker walks in, he gives Alcar the, and the delegation the message that, oh, we're we're approaching Darthin or whatever. He's I don't remember what he said. Yeah. All I remember is that when he turns around, Troy walks in, and she looks like a dream, just sculpted, this beautiful, lacy, shimmery, shiny, glittery. Like beautiful dress, down. very revealing. It's almost like a like these days celebrities have been um for the past few years like hopping on the trend of like the naked dress, which is kind of just like a mesh sort of dress that's very revealing, but you wear some sort of very stylized like bra and panties underneath or something that like matches mm-hmm. it. So it's like it's a whole look, but the dress is kind of see-through. This feels like the 90s version of the naked dress where it's like blue sequin appliques over like a clear mesh so you can see like little snatches of like her body kind of through the fabric and it's so gorgeous and her hair is up in this updo that's like so stylish mm-hmm. we've it's never little, seen her loxana e it's a it's little like kind of pinned up but she's got it's this sort of yeah, it's kind of like a blend of like Luxana Troy and like Dynasty, you know, mm-hmm. the, like you know yeah. the like soap opera. It's yep. very, very, very like cocktail big. evenings, big hair, but most importantly, she has this big gray streak running through the middle of it. So it's like she's aged like twenty years in yeah, a couple of days, or at least her hair has gotten gray, even if even though her face looks about the same. Yeah, yeah. So she walks in, it's like what the you know, and Riker's mouth just drops, and Data's like. Troy has altered her appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's very drastically. Interesting. Yeah. So she walks over to Alcar and she's just like, take me with you. And he's like, uh, Deanna. And then she turns to the female delegate whose name is Leva. Yeah. And she's like, you want him, don't you? You stay away from her. You're going to stay away from him. You're going to regret it. And all the stuff that Maylor said to her. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? the f yes. and then she she said the exact same thing to leva that mailer said to her you have nothing to offer him and i was like wow it is mirroring in like the scariest way it's weird too because it's like they don't say anything of like he's mine they don't mm-hmm. say that they're just like so there's nothing for you to think there was nothing for us to think that mailer wasn't his mom because mm-hmm. she didn't say anything like he's mine or he's all, like nothing like that. Yes, so yeah. same thing with Troy. She's not saying anything like that. But here's the new addition that we didn't get with Maylor is that Troy turns to the male delegate and is like, you're just jealous of him. You really want his career, don't you? You wish you were him and all this stuff. Yeah, you secretly want him to fail. Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't. That's not true. <laughs> who are I'm sorry. Who are you again? But you know, like, this is a question. weird moment. Here's a question I have for you and for listeners. Because Maylor and Deanna are both empathic, are they actually sensing that in those other people? Or is it just their fears kind of coming out and, and like being yeah. actualized? I don't think they're sensing anything. I think it's just it's just all of the negative thoughts that um that Alcar could have are just stored in them. So thoughts like you're jealous, thoughts that you're trying to undermine me, all those thoughts that normal people have just throughout their career, mm-hmm. I think they're just being dumped and overloaded into the receptacles. So I think Troy is just expressing Alcar's own fears. 
but it's not like anything. Cause I feel like their ability to be empathic or sense things accurately is completely impaired mm-hmm. by this overload of neuronal energy. So I don't even think mm-hmm. they can be empathic when they're going through this because you know, that's actually so a really, really good cool. thought. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, you are super going through this like crazy whirlwind of negative emotions. How can you feel anything beyond? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, I guess you're right. So now, she tells Alcar, like, if you're going down to the planet, I want to go with you. And he's like, this isn't the time I need you. And she's like, you promised. You promised that you would invite me to the planet. I want to go. And that's when and she kind of rips that. He really did. And this is when she, like, rips on Leva and the other guy. And Riker saves the day by saying, uh, Ambassador, Counselor Troy and I are needed on the bridge. And so she, because she's trying to make Alcar jealous, she, like, takes Will's arm and kind of, like, slinks away. And he waits until, Riker waits until they're out of, 10 forward and he goes i don't know what that was but you were way out of line and he kind of throws her into a turbo lift and takes her to her quarters um and drops her off to be like i don't know what this is but you need to like take a Rain shower in, and simmer down together. like whatever this that is was yeah. completely unacceptable behavior yeah yeah and she pulls him in for a kiss and he's like stop stop and she pulls him in for a kiss again and then scratches the shit out of his neck with her f- uh, and face like with her nails mm-hmm. and he was like what is this? What is going on? And he like is freaked by her. And she's like, I need you stay. And he's like, what the F? And like immediately like runs out of there. And she goes to the door and she goes, please, I need you. And I was like, oh, dang, girl, this is a bad This is, this is when thirsty becomes deadly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, is, awful, this yeah. is like fatal attraction level shit here. Yeah. I was like, what mm-hmm. is going on? And, you know, he goes to, he goes to Beverly who kind of patches him up really quickly with her super cool future technology machine. And he's like, Beverly, you would not recognize her if you saw her. Like, it's not her, like it's her, but not her, which I've experienced where it's like, it's you, but not you. This is really terrifying. And like, I don't know what to do with her. And she's like, okay, well, you know, maybe stay here, have a drink of water, rehydrate. You've bled a lot, you know? And, and the next thing we see, Alcar comes to see her. mm Mm-hmm. And she's facing out the window, so we only see her back, but her hair is a lot more gray. And when she turns to greet Alcar, her face is like 40 years older. It is Mm -hmm. super scary. Mm -hmm. It's super scary. Yeah, they've really improved on the oldening makeup since we saw that stupid episode. Too short a season. Yeah, Yeah, too short a season nonsense. Um, Mm -hmm. They've really gotten a a lot better. And this was done very well because she does look elderly and kind of almost sickly too as as you keep yeah. seeing her age but you're like what the heck and you see the shock on Alcar's face when he sees what she looks like yeah and she again says you promised to take me all this stuff and he's like no no I can't take you after all I'm sorry you have to stay here and as he leaves she runs out into the corridor after him and she screams take me with you and then she runs back into her quarters and she just screams at the top of her lungs like right into camera it mm-hmm. is such a powerful scene. Like I, <sighs> this, that scene, you're just like, oh my, that's when, you know, she has lost every last thread of Deanna that was in there. Yeah. It is gone. So going back to sick bay, we see Beverly patching Riker up. He's telling her the whole story. And then Beverly's like, okay, let's, let's go talk to her right now. Like after hearing Riker's mm-hmm. description, mm-hmm. she goes, all right, l- let's go find her. Like we need to, we need to figure this out. So he, she asked the computer, where is Deanna? And it's like, she's on you know, deck six, corridor, whatever the heck. And mm-hmm. so he's like, she's like, let's go. And they both get up and go. And again, this is why I want to work on the Enterprise. This, right? Where Riker's like, because I am problems concerned. are nipped in the bud. Yeah. Well, also, especially when it comes to mental health, you and I both have people we love who who suffer from mental health um, challenges. Yeah. And one of the hardest things with that is getting them treatment. 
because they don't yes. feel like they need treatment and they don't yep. need, they don't need treatment and they don't need anybody and they don't need anything. And then their mental health deteriorates and their behavior deteriorates and it just gets worse and worse and you can't help yeah. or yeah. they just destroy yep. relationships and yep. property and furniture and all kinds of stuff. Right. Yep. Oh yeah. So yeah, what aware. I love about this yeah. is that Riker saying, I'm concerned about Tr- Troy's mental health and Beverly's like, let's go find her right mm-hmm. now. Let's yeah. go find her and help her right this now. We're normal. not going to, this is not normal. We're not going to wait until she decides on her, of her own accord that she needs some help because in if mental waiting, health situations, if you, yeah, if you're waiting for somebody who's mentally ill to say they need help, you will be waiting forever, which I have learned. You, you will wait forever. And then at some point their behavior deteriorates so much. And it's like, I can no longer, um, stand by here and just wait for you to get help. I'm, this is like awful. Right. So it's like, I love that they were like, no, no, we're not going to wait for her to say she needs help because if you wait for them because they're mentally ill, that's the paradox because they're mm-hmm. mentally ill, they will never realize that they need help. So it's just because until like they get help. Horrific, <laughs> yeah. horrific. Yeah. And usually they get help because they are forced to get help mm-hmm. because they spiral in somewhere public or something where it's like they get arrested or they, or they're forced into a, a mental mm-hmm. institution or a hospital that's going to give them medication. And then once they sort of get better, I was actually talking to a coworker of mine who said her sister went through the exact same thing and it took them years for her to like, they finally had to kind of like force her to get help, even though she was already adult, they had to, I don't know, something. Mm-hmm. What, and it took even, even after she took medication, it took almost a year for her to kind of come back to herself. And I asked this friend, I said, when your sister thinks back on those like two years that she was like totally crazy, does she remember them? Does she, does she have any like justification? And the, my, this coworker mine said she doesn't have memory of those two years. Wow. Like she really can't remember much of anything at all from those two years, which is really terrifying. It's really terrifying. Yeah. And by mental crazy, we just mean, scary. yeah. And by crazy, we just mean we're like really mentally unstable and unwell. Yes, not yes, like, yes. Yeah. Just, just in case somebody's listening and they're like, Hey, like that's Yeah. No, mean. no, no, no. Um, I, and I think, I also think too, mental health is very, um, incorrectly portrayed like in pop culture and media yeah. where if somebody is mentally ill you think that they're just sitting there like going like right it's like, it's or like something. cartoonish or something yeah. but it's not yeah. like mentally ill people there's a whole the most part, there's a whole spectrum it's a mm-hmm. range like they can seem normal 90 percent of the time and 10 percent of the time are making no sense in anything mm-hmm. they do and you're like wait a second none of this makes sense right so that's what that's what i've kind of learned mm-hmm. over time having loved ones who have suffered with mental illness that it's like okay you just there's nothing you can do so i love that Riker and beverly are like yeah we're not gonna wait for any of this to spiral any further right it's already, it already spiraled is like far enough yeah mm-hmm. we're we're getting we're getting this like nipped right in the bud and I feel so bad when, when Troy is like, take me with you, take me with you. And he's like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. And she goes, is Leva going with you? And he's like, yes. Like she knows all of the, she's one of the delegates. Yeah. She's one of the delegates. She needs to be here. And when she goes, please, please in the hallway. Mm -hmm. And he just is so unfeeling and cold and dispassionate Mm -hmm. just walks out calmly and leaves her in a mess. I was like, that is so messed up, especially since you're the one who did this to mm-hmm. her. Like Since all this is your fault. All of this is your fault. Now, as Riker and Beverly are like coming to like, you know, Find intercept Troy. Deanna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Picard is saying goodbye to Alcar at the transporter room. And it's like, good luck with your, you know, every, all of this trade negotiation, blah, blah, blah. Deanna walks in and she's even older now than she was like a minute ago. She's mm-hmm. aged like 10 more now years. She looks like she's like 80. Yeah. And she, yeah, she looked like she was like 65, 70 and suddenly she's 80, like in the span of a minute, she walks in and tries to stab Leva from leaving 
from keeping her, you know, like you tries know, to stab her as a rival with this yes. big giant sharp knife that she, she must have replicated. Got- she got, she got from, from like Worf. Worf's room. Yeah, it totally looks like a Klingon knife. <clears throat> it totally it's, does. It looks it's very like cool. Very, it's very it's cool and jaggedy and terrifying. all this cool shit. It is. And Picard like catches her arm and there's this whole struggle and Picard gets lightly stabbed. And and Alcar is like, do you um do you want me to stay or should I go? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. We got this. Just go. And he's like, okay, the then are too important. You just go. And I was like, Alcar, you he, asshole. That's, that's when you ask, like, should I pay the check when you have no intention of paying the bill? That's what yeah, that you was. Do, you do the should very fake pat down looking for your I? wallet. Oh, I should yes. go. Okay, I'm going to go. I'll, you I'll pretend go. to reach I'll for go. your wallet. Yeah. What a <laughs> dick. Now, Beverly, they finally, you know, they get they get her kind of she really like collapses. She totally does. And there's this whole struggle. And they finally manage. Well, they, it takes like six security guys to like get her to sick bay. And when they do, they have to put her in like a restraining force field. field. Yeah, yeah, restraining force field. And she is freaking out. She's like a wild animal at this point mm-hmm. who's been caged. A really Absolutely. old, really yeah. wild animal. Yeah, yeah, who's lost it. Now, Alyssa says that Deanna has extremely high neurotransmitter re- residue, just like Maylor. And so Beverly is like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to just go ahead and do the autopsy. Th- we well, need she, to figure she this do- out. She does ask Picard again. She doesn't just do it. Although... She was like one minute away from just she doing kind of, it. She kind of is. She's like, you know, it's like ask for forgiveness or ask for permission. She's exactly. kind of at that point where she's, she's like, I did it. Is. Sorry. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Sorry. She's exactly at that point because it's going to potentially save Troy's life. So she's telling Picard, like, we have to do the autopsy or else to, fi- to find out what's going on with Troy because something terrible is going on. And Picard's like, okay, Worf, you know, get me in contact with Alcar so I can ask him. And Worf's like, he's at the negotiation table. He cannot come to the comm right just now. Just do it then. Just do so, it. So yeah, Picard's like, yeah. all right, just do it. Just do it because we need we need to save Troy's life. And yeah, you know, and traditions, is, whatever. This is a living person who could die. Traditions, Lauren's yeah. already gone. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and, and Beverly if he finds... would have said no, I'm pretty sure Beverly would have done it anyways. She would have been like, yeah. f this. Like, I'm not letting Troy die. Mm-mm, no. And Beverly finds that Mailer's body. Well, she looked really old internally, like she has the body of a 30-year-old. And he's like, and she also says, I've compared her DNA with Alcar, and I don't know who that woman was, but she was not his mother. So it's like, oh my God. Okay, so now so we know he did something to Troy with that meditation in the rocks. She's mm-hmm. getting all crazy. He's being like completely like like an asshole to her. And he's like, Well, whatever. Sorry for your whatever issues you're going through. So we know he did something to her. Obviously, something is happening. She's aged like 50 years in like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. So it's like clearly something's wrong. But now it's like the mystery even deepens because Mailer was not old and not his mother. So it's like, wait a second. So what you're is like, going Troy's on? the new Mailor. Troy and, is the new Mailor. And yeah. what is he doing to her? And like, is she going to die like a bug? We're not going to have her die like that. Like, get this man up here. So yep. Picard is like, we need answers. So he goes to Darthin. <laughs> <laughs> to confront <laughs> to confront Alcar. <laughs> answers. Yes. We need answers. And yes. um he, he goes to confront Alcar and Alcar comes clean about absolutely everything in the most dispassionate way uh, possible. He I just, wanted to scratch his eyes out. Right. Not the way that Troy Scrope Riker. Yes. Mm-hmm. I this dude, he says it's important for him to remain clear of disquieting thoughts. So he's channeled his dark thoughts and emotions into his receptacles so he can remain clear-headed and save an entire species. And Picard's like receptacles. And this is when he launches into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like so appalled by Alcar's behavior. 
And Alcar just explains, well, usually my receptacles survive for years. I'm so surprised that, you know, I, I and he, he says, I had hoped that Melor would have survived through these negotiations. Unfortunately, she didn't last as long as I thought she would. And Troy's mm. rapid de- decline is surprising as well, because usually my receptacles last for years. I mean, this is like a math equation to him. This isn't yes. even about people anymore. And Picard is just like, you cannot explain away this wantonly immoral act because you think think it's connected to some higher purpose. And mm-hmm. Alcar's like, well, Troy's just one person. I'm saving thousands and millions and all of that. And Picard's like, that does not justify you brutalizing her or mm-hmm. any of the other people that you have used. You are trying to say that you're, you think this makes you noble. You are a coward. You are Ugh. a coward who's afraid to face unpleasant thoughts. It just was so like, mm. yeah, you tell him. Mm. And she's mm, and he's exactly. like, and you're gonna stop and you're gonna stop right effing now. And Alcar's like, no, I'm not gonna release Troy. Not now and not ever. And yes. then Picard's like, you know what, Mr. Worf, and then Worf is disarmed in three seconds. Someone just pulls the phaser when right off the Seronium of sec- yeah, security guards take happen Worf's- to be standing right behind Worf. Yeah, pulls, they, like pulls they his phaser off his belt by uh, by gunpoint. So like he yes. can't really do anything. Yes, he's he says, I have no intention of releasing her now or ever. And I was like, She's dying. Well, that's unfortunate. It's like, what the hell? He does not care at all. Like now, at the it doesn't care at all. And once Worf is like unarmed, disarmed, yeah, yeah. Once he's disarmed, Leva comes out and is like, oh, "You both goes, can leave now." Yes, and I went, "Okay, I no longer feel remotely bad for what's about to happen to you, Boo." Okay, like because she was like, "You and your security chief will leave." It's like it's one of those people who is not in a position of power. So they act very nice and like friendly and whatever. And the minute they have positional power, they tell you what they really think of you. And I'm like, oh, wow. So you're just faking the whole time? Okay, you're well, a dick. I don't know. You, she she does too. not know. As far as we know, she doesn't know what's going on with Troy because she wasn't there for any of that conversation. She just kept coming out being like, we need you back in the negotiation room. We need you. Everything's falling apart. We need you. I, yeah, that's true. She was but super I will rude say, too. That's, still, she was super rude. But I will say too, like even if she doesn't know what Alcar has done to Deanna, She's been on the ship long enough to see Deanna age like 30 years in like a day. And it's like, that doesn't make you be like, what is going on here? Something is wrong. Like, that doesn't raise any questions at all. Like, yeah, but she doesn't know. She doesn't know they're talking about Diana, Deanna, like at this Mm. moment. She just knows that Picard is like holding Alcar up from the negotiations. Mm. So when she comes out and Alcar is just like, see, you know, and she sees that security guards have them all at gunpoint. She's just like, okay, like, you can go. Like, we need to do these negotiations. Yeah. So whatever with her. Um, but we go back to sick bay and Beverly's like, okay, I can neutralize the neurotransmitter in her, but it won't do any good if Alcar continues to dump crap into her. Yeah, like, it's, I, like, we it's need an to open shut channel. Off. It's yeah, an we open need channel. To, we need to close the faucet and then yeah. we can drain the sink. But yeah. if we drain if we open the drain and we're still running water into the sink, it's not gonna unplug. Mm-hmm. Like it's still gonna be full, overflowing. So they're chit-chatting, and then Picard's like, Alcar has no intention of releasing her. He's going to use her until she dies. Then Beverly goes, so then she has to die. And then Picard's like, okay, great, what's our plan? And the whole time they're <laughs> chit-chatting about how she's going to die, Riker's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're killing, you're killing the love of my life, who yeah, I'm, ta- for some reason, not with. Who I will never be with, but I'll just stand here and, and not want her to be with anyone and else. And love her, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Riker's like, her. what are you waiting for? Danielle? Riker's like, anyway, wait, wait you want to kill Troy? Like, the, we, we skipped over that part that you just said. And Beverly's like, no worries, I can revive her as long as she's not dead for more than thirty minutes. And I was just like, that's amazing, Trek. That's incredible, amazing, incredible. completely dead to alive yeah. in thirty minutes. That's yeah. amazing. But she was like, I just hope it's enough time. 
for him to fully release like the connection he has with her so that he won't turn, you know, turn back to her and keep dumping in stuff into her. And then they come up with this whole plan where they're like, you know what, last time the second Mailer died, he turned to Troy like immediately. Mm-hmm. So he's probably going to turn to someone immediately when Troy dies. So mm-hmm. Picard's like, that person is now going to be in danger. So yeah. we have to protect that person. We have to make sure he doesn't make a new connection. And we have to make sure he doesn't turn back to Troy. And we have to do all this within 30 minutes. Yeah. So they're like, all right, let's do it. Go. Let's and they set going. the clock. And you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, this is really... Now, th- and then now they, the stakes and are then so they, high. Yeah, and then they hypospray her to kill Deanna. And I'll, you know, they be, they calm down to Alcar and they're like, Deanna Troy is dying. We need you back up here. And he's like, fine. So he comes up and he doesn't feel the least bit sad. He was like, did you well, notice that when he transported, when they were like, so when when he was like, you need to transport back up, that the, one of the um, Lumerian delegates was like, you can't get through our sec- security force field. And Picard was like, yes, we can. We've already like went around that because he had Worf and Jordy mm-hmm. figure that out. And he goes, we're, we're going to bring Alcar from the surface with or without your permission. <laughs> like we're doing it right now. And then Alcar turns and grabs Leva and goes, okay, the two of us are ready to beam up. Like when he hears that she, yes. di- he didn't bring the yeah. male delegate. He turned to Leva and brought her with him. And yep. I was like, this, sure did. this smart so, I feel like mofo. Yep. Also, can't you use anybody as receptacle? You keep using women as well. So now there's like the misogynistic point of it where right. it's like you're brutalizing women as well. It's like, what the F? Because so, you can use a man and say, this is my father. Instead of using exact, a woman and saying this is my mother. Same yeah. thing. Same thing. Mm, so they kill Deanna and Alcar is in sickbay and he's like, tragedy. All right, I'll be in my quarters, right? And Picard says, I intend to make you pay for what you did to Troy. But Elkar's like, Captain, the Federation has guaranteed me safe passage and you will honor it. And he smiles the most smarmy little, mm-hmm. like, I just got away with it, grin and leaves. And I was like, punch him! Punch him right now in the face! <laughs> like, I was so pissed. Was and like, God, at this moment, we only have three minutes left in our 30-minute timetable. Also, to revive Troy. Just, couldn't you just well also you know what you're right. You you're right. Cause I was like, wow, you guys only you you waited 27 minutes to bring him up. Like he, you couldn't have like done the kill and then the bring him up like eight seconds later. But even Alcar felt the break in the connection to a certain respect because down Alcar felt down, it 30 minutes ago, but it took this yeah. long for him to get back to the enterprise because he was finished for whatever reason. Yeah. Stuff. So in his quarters, of course, Leva is like, is there anything I can do to help? Which again tells me, don't ask anybody if there's anything you can do to help going forward. <laughs> and he tries to perform the ritual, that funeral meditation with Leva. But of course, Picard is like ready for this to go down. He is ready. So and they Beverly- bring Troy back. They start well, to bring she, her back with yeah, a little- Yeah, yeah. What? Not a defibrillator, but it kind of looks like a defibrillator. Something. for her yeah. brain. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Neural so, stimulator. A neural stimulator. So Beverly starts to bring Troy back, which Alcar can feel or sense or something because the something, second they yeah. shock Troy's brain, Alcar drops his little blue stone just before he touched it to leave his blue stone. You're like, oh my yes. gosh. Phew. Like yes. one more second later and she would have been full of all the negative thoughts and it, the yep. cycle would have just continued. Yep. Um, yep. And Picard also has Worf stationed outside of their quarter, outside of his quarter. So I'm guessing, and they have a transporter lock on Leva. So I'm guessing the plan was to just sever his connections with Troy, keep him from making a new connection with Leva, and quarantine him in his quarters until they can like arrest him or something. Some, I think that's so the plan. Is something like, him somehow cordon him away from other other people. Yeah. So he cannot harm anyone else. Yeah. What happens is stunning. <laughs> oh my God. No, this is this is absolutely where the picture of Dorian Gray comes full circle because they end up severing the connection. And 
Alcar cannot finish like the funeral meditation cycle with Leva and like drops the stone and like starts getting old really fast. Like the oldening starts happening mm-hmm. to Alcar because for some reason it reverses the direction of the it negative psychic the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they reverse the polarity of the psychic energy and it all flows into him and overwhelms him. So he starts getting really old and Leva's like, like starts freaking out and being like, get away from me. And Alcar tries to snatch her, yeah. but at the moment, that's when they transport her away. And as Worf and his team bust in on like the fracas that's going on in the room, Alcar suddenly becomes like a 90-year-old man and then like a 110-year-old man and just collapses and dies like a dead bug, which I was like, yes! Like, mm-hmm. you so deserve to die like a cockroach. And like, and did you notice how Worf just watched him? Yeah, he was like, well, there was no call about to this. sick bay. There was no, I mean, granted, he did he did go through the oldening and die in about 60 in like, seconds flat. Yeah, yeah. So no, I mean, it was like could have six done. seconds. It was so it was so quick. Yeah, it, was it was like really well, fast. Uh, yeah, okay. But well, Warp, but Warp just looked at him and waited for him to keel over, and then was like, you know, tapped him with his toe, and then goes, "Hey, uh, <laughs> Captain Picard, Morg, he's dead. Warp, Warp to Morg, <laughs> Warp yeah. to Morg." Yeah, Alcar's dead. Anyways. Now here's so as this neural energy, this negative energy is being drained out of her. Deanna Troy becomes young again instantly, and suddenly she's like Sleeping Beauty, just lying on this sick bay bed, and her <laughs> hair is all curled around her all perfectly. And um, I'm going to just say I really love this episode because it's really fun to see that oldening happen. Mm-hmm. But they never explained why she gets so old, just because she has negative energy. Like I will say. I I have been going through some tough stuff and I look at myself in the mirror sometimes. I'm like, wow, you look like you've aged faster. Mm, that's you know? true. But, but are you telling me that if I have like a really shitty week, I'm going to look like 20 years older? <laughs> I will like, say. It doesn't, doesn't quite add up. I, I feel will like. say when I have extreme periods of stress, because I'm stressed like all the time, but when I have extreme periods yeah. of stress, I do get gray hairs. Like I can see gray hairs. And then when I'm not stressed anymore, I don't have any more gray hairs. So that's interesting. Maybe they fall out and they just don't whatever girl but, i couldn't yeah. tell you but i'm like oh my gosh my hair's turning gray and then like a month later i'll be like what happened to those gray hairs and they're gone so <laughs> well you know that that is true like there is a link between like stress and it like uh inc- like it accelerates the aging process but i feel like they kind of overdid this one a little bit however Sci-fi. i'm not complaining because because <laughs> it does look so cool to see troy like laying there dead on the table like a very old wrinkly woman with just snow white like straw for hair mm-hmm. and then you know by the time they like reverse the neural energy polarity she's like deanna again mm-hmm. um and i and i i love that like alcar gets gets his Yep. Thank you. She, you know, Deanna is fine. Leva is very, you know, politely booted from the Enterprise. Bye, girl. Um, and like, <laughs> that's it. Now, the very last scene is Deanna giving Riker a kiss and saying, thank you for sticking by me. Like, you know, and he's like, always. And they kind of kiss and cuddle. And I, lo- I love those little scenes when you get like them being like kind of in a relationship. It's like way more than friendship, but they're not in a whole relationship. I think it's really sweet. Cause it's like, yeah, you guys are always going to love each other. And I do love spoiler alert in Picard. Um, we do see Picard visit, um, Deanna and Will's home and they're like married and have kids and all this stuff. And it's like, yay. Like they actually did like, and then I think in nemesis, like we see their wedding. So it's like, they do get married and they, they, they have a whole life together. But I think we should cut that part so out. Cause that's a really big spoiler. Oh, like, if people, yeah, I guess that's yeah, true. if people haven't seen Picard, like that's a really big reveal. Well, I mean, if they see Nemesis, like they no, if they see Nemesis, they know they got married, but the kid is like a big reveal. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, and then they like lost a kid. Um, okay, so I'll cut that out. But 
I, I just love when we see these moments where like they're more than friends, but mm-hmm. like not quite in a relationship. Like I, I really, really love it. It's great. What are your final thoughts on this? I wrote in my notes, stand aside, Samuel Samuel Clemens. Alcar <laughs> is officially the new boss level of punchable faces. I, yeah, Samuel Clemens was like just like annoying. a little he was just annoying. Like, he was just like a little like gear, you know, turning like around like self-righteous. I mean, he's he thought he had the right idea. It's like I'm trying to save my the people world. from these yeah. future invaders or whatever. But this guy is just like, I will use you as a receptacle until you die. Thank you. It's like, wow, you're such a piece of shit. Anyway. Yeah, this guy was horrible. I really like oh, the awful. satisfying ending of him dying and turning dying like a bug. Mm-hmm. Last time Troy got assaulted, we know the guy went to jail, but and we know the punishment was quote unquote severe, but we don't know what it was. So it didn't feel as satisfying. We we're just like, okay, he got caught. Okay. But we didn't really yeah. get to see what happened to that guy. But here we could see exactly what happened to that guy. And you're just like, that's exactly what you get. And you deserve more than that. We yeah. just can't kill you twice because we yeah. don't know how many people I you've murdered love, over the I years. Would love, yeah. Oh my God. Dozens, at least. Who dozens knows? and dozens. Yeah. Um, so if it were me and I wanted the just desserts, like he would be going through that oldening and dying for over like and over and over. For, well, for like two hours or multiple days or months where it's like, yeah, there's nothing we can do. Also, we're going to keep you in the brig this entire time and not give you medical attention for what you've done because you know what? You did this to yourself. So enjoy it, Dorian Gray. But anyway. Yeah, I I really love this. I think it was a fun, suspenseful watch. I enjoy it every time I watch it. This is mm-hmm. this is this is a really really great season six episode. But next week we are talking another amazing episode. We're gonna break down season six episode four relics. Thank you guys so much for nerding out with us, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.